he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, everyone. This is Bolotified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. This is Anthony Bolotta, your Bolotified host, along with Alex Apostolidis, who is here with me every week as my Bolotophile. Hey, Alex. Hello. I just love being a Bolotophile. It makes it, it makes me seem important or feel important. I don't know if it makes me seem important, but it makes me feel important. I don't know. Is it a step up from being a groupie? I'm, I'm just curious. For sure. Everything's a step up when you're a groupie. Have you ever been a groupie? I was a groupie, but not in the sense that most people would think. In my 20s, in my early 20s, I am a rabid soccer fan. I love soccer. I, I, I'll, I love it. I mean, so I would go, I started going to the San Diego Soccer Center soccer game begrudgingly with the boyfriend at the time. After one game, I fell in love. I started going a couple times a week with or without him. I became friends with some of the people on the team. And one of the managers would call me every time they did an event because he wanted me to be there. He knew I was such a big fan and he wanted to be there with my enthusiasm and my support. I knew everything about every soccer player. And one of the soccer players that I used to have a huge crush on is um, a very dear friend of mine who I'm supposed to see later tonight. She's really good friend to the family. And the other one was the soccer coach for my nephew. So it just comes around. So I guess you could say that I'm still a groupie. I guess you are. A I am. I, love I had no, I had no idea. Yes. Yeah. The first time she's, my, she's, you're in the sports and theater. I know. Really? Right. Well, the first time oh, my, my daughter God. and then husband saw me at a game. When the first time we all went to a soccer game, they both just stared at me with their mouths, their jaws dropped and their eyes wide open because they couldn't believe how I was reacting. Because a different Alex came out at that soccer game, I'm sure. No, nothing demure, nothing sweet. No, no time for that. Yeah, I got no time for that. I got to cheer on this team. My boy's going to win me a game. I'm going to win a game. Speaking about winning games and cheering on teams, here we are in the middle of the year, just past the middle of the year, and uh, this is episode 41, and we thought, well, why not? Let's talk about what's going on in the country right now with regard to events. And so we cast uh, a net and uh, talked to some of our peers in the industry, Cheryl Kinsler, from RSVP Events and Tracy Fuller from Innovative Events out of Des Moines and Jennifer Ross, JR Global Events out of Philadelphia. Uh, Nicole Matthews, the Henley Company right here in San Diego, but she goes everywhere. So does everybody else on this list, by the way. (laughs) And Jacqueline Bernstein from Empire Force Events out of the great city of New York. And we wish to get a feeling for what they're doing and what they're dealing with now that uh, 
COVID is back on the landscape in, in the news. And uh, of course, what goes with that is concern mm -hmm. and speculation about events. So let's start with what we're doing and what we're dealing with here at Bolada right now, which is a bit of a mixed bag, quite honestly. First of all, we're in a state in which the the governor is facing a recall on the 14th of next month. So it is highly unlikely in my estimation, my whatever that's worth, <laughs> that there will be any kind of a uh, forced closure of businesses before then. It's, it's likely not going to happen. I think the political landscape is such that people are afraid to really do anything, which is not a great place to be if you're a citizen of the state and you don't get it. You need to take care of yourselves and you need to make sure that you do what's right for you and hopefully take care of yourself and your family. Nonetheless, there will be, I perceive, no laws. So it's going to be up to venues and the corporations or owners that own those venues, whether they're hotel chains or private venues around any city in, in, in California, particularly, it'll be up to them. Uh, and it'll be up to clients and the sort of where they put their stake in the sand. Now, they're, we're, we're dealing with a law firm uh, that's doing an event in Texas in October, who just mentioned to their planner that um, they assume that the hotel staff would be, all of them would be vaccinated, to which the planner said, that is not an assumption you should make, because unless a property has stated in their paperwork to their clients that they're going to ensure that their population of employees is vaccinated. It's not something that you can rely on. Right. So that's one issue, of course, that he's dealing with, and we'll see how that plays out. Likely, this is a firm, by the way, that has already stated in the news that they will enforce a mask mandate in their office. Uh, and in their offices. And that is controversial. But, uh, you know, I think it's also brave and I applaud them. Yay, because they took a stance. Uh, so they're hopefully moving forward, but there is a little bit of, of speculation there about what the hotel is going to do and how they're going to respond. Uh, and that's to be seen. Here in California, I don't see that we're going to be restricted. I do think that it's going to be a case of individuality with mm -hmm. regard to the program and the host and the purpose. And there are associations that um, will likely throw their, their uh, events. I don't see the corporate business happening here right now. It's not necessarily something that we're looking at. It's very small, small groups, mm -hmm. very contained ones that are coming in, the ones that we do see. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I and D'Angelo went to an event last night and brought something home that was really, really smart that he shared with me. 
And that's the use of uh, name tags or lanyards or even, even the ribbon that the lanyard comes on when you're hosting an event that indicates your comfort, not necessarily your status, but your comfort. So uh, these are, I assume they were wearing masks. That was one thing we didn't talk about, but re regardless, the color of their tag or lanyard or, or the, the ribbon uh, indicated their comfort. And if it was red, then they were uncomfortable, not social distancing. So you need to stay six feet away. And if it was orange, then you could do a shoulder bump or an elbow bump. Uh, and if it was green, then they were totally fine with a handshake. And so that is a, a very, very smart way to think about how to manage the intersection of people that come to events without stating you must get vaccinated. Masks are going to be in play for mm -hmm. a while. And, mm -hmm. you know, people can fight them all they want, but um, that will remain a rule, a restriction of the venue, of the host. And uh, I think what D'Angelo is recommending, <clears throat> excuse me, does not circumvent the need for a mask but it certainly does help in the socialization of people at events. What I love about that is it's very uncomfortable if you yourself are uncomfortable with anybody being close proximity. And it's very awkward to have to say, I'm sorry, I'm not there yet. And even when you're doing it amongst family and friends, it's uncomfortable doing it in a corporate setting or in an event setting, whether it's social or corporate, it's awkward. And if it can eliminate that kind of awkward and if it can help foster a respect for people other than yourself, then I think it's really bloody brilliant. I hope that it can. I mean, you know, it's a simple solution and I'm sure there'll be fault found in it because there's fault found in everything, but it's, an, it's a solution. And, uh, you know, again, when you're bringing people from various backgrounds and ideologies into a room, that's the trick is how do you manage that? And this is a way to do it that doesn't, uh, it doesn't cause any uh, uh, disrespect mm -hmm. or bad feelings or alienation. You know, it's just a way it's, it's sort of a a buy-in, if you will, and you go and you participate in the fact that I'm going to identify myself as a green, orange, or red. And uh, that's not necessarily going to tell people that A, I've been vaccinated, or B, I have not been vaccinated. It's just going to indicate my comfort level. I'm still on a mask, so we're fine. And that seems like the, the, the great, uh, what am I trying to say? The the great equalizer, equalizer, if you will. Yes, uh, that people can come on those terms. And then when you're looking at other people, to your point, you're not thinking awkward. You're thinking, okay, he's a green, so he's comfortable with close up. Now, if you're comfortable with close up, that's fine. And if you're not, you're not going to go near a green, and that's, that's cool. fine too. So it really does alleviate that awkwardness. That's the intention. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's and and D'Angelo did go to the event last night that we were providing entertainment for, and he uh, he said it seemed to work very well, and people were getting along fine, and that is that's what people need is a bit of self the the ability to make a choice and uh the ability to feel comfortable the the desire to feel comfortable right and so we talk about uh enforcing vaccinations and i've had this discussion as well with a client who is an association uh who is planning some programs and uh Right now, the general census, the general sense at their office is that they're going to request, they're going to uh, uh, put in a mask mandate for these programs. So you, excuse me, a vaccination mandate that you will have had to have been vaccinated to come to one of these programs. And I'm vaccinated. I believe in the vaccination. I have been vaccinated against several things in my life. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I still feel good. I'm still healthy. So I'm on the side of vaccination. I um, I agree with you, as am I, fully vaccinated. I can understand the discomfort because we chose when my daughter was born to wait till she was three before she received any vaccinations because she was slightly underweight. We weren't going anywhere. She wasn't in school. We were her only caregivers. We weren't traveling. Had any of that changed, we immediately would have gotten her vaccinated. She is, she's currently up to date on, well, she needs a booster for something, but you know, she's fully vaccinated as well. But I can say this because I can respect people's feeling about this. it's different than say getting your tetanus vaccination than it is getting something where to be vaxxed or not to be vaxxed could affect those around you. Me get choosing not to get a tetanus vaccine only affects me. So I, I kind of can understand both sides. Having said that, one of the things that my mom brain goes to is, well, I have to provide proof of vaccination before my daughter can attend school. She cannot attend right. school unless I provide her vaccination records. Right. So I kind of go, why is it okay one way and not okay another way? And then I was presented with an op, not an opposite view, but just a, a more an eye-opening view. I don't want to say opposite because that that sounds judgmental, and I don't mean it that way. But an eye-opening view today. So, <laughs> but it's but, you see, it's all it's all sort of all, all about choice, though, mm-hmm. and. Um, that's I agree. I, I, I wish everyone would get vaccinated and I know people who aren't and I wish they would. Uh, I really do. But I don't force my opinions on them because it's about respect. Exactly. And I think the same has to be true in an association environment when people pay to come to a program and to participate. I, I would prefer that everybody was vaccinated, but I just don't think it will work in this scenario for this particular client. I feel that it's an obstacle to engagement and participation because the point being, everyone has a choice. And so when you limit someone's choices, then you think 
you've limited their choices to maybe one or two options, but you haven't because there's always the choice of not coming. And the argument is, uh, well, their choice will be to uh, be vaccinated and wear a mask. And if they don't, if they, they'll just have to wear it. Well, the third choice is they won't come. And you have to, as a planner, you must factor that possibility in and go the route that you feel you need to go. But don't forget that that's a choice, that they won't come. In a corporate setting, it's different. And that's, that's the snag with regard to liability. You know, in the corporate setting, it's usually compulsory to go, or there's an expectation that you will go, even if, you know, you're not there because your wife is having a baby or you're having surgery or your, your mother is sick. Those are the reasons you don't go to those events. So there's a, there's a, a, a higher level of liability there and a much higher level of caution. And so those events are not in play now, but when, and in those events, excuse me, then it will be okay, I think, to say you must be vaccinated because ultimately you will have had to have been vaccinated to work there. And that will be the right of the owner of the business. Mm -hmm. And I know that people, I was reading an article over the weekend about what those rights really will be of employers. And it does seem that uh, there's really not a lot of case law that will support the uh, undoing of vaccinations. Uh, to your point, the school mandate. Mm -hmm. Now it's against the law to keep your kids out of school. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, against the law to put them in school without having been vaccinated. But now you can homeschool them. There's so that it's option. The same thing, right? It is the same thing. So we talked to uh, we talked to some friends as well. Mm -hmm. And now that you have a labeling, what's happening here? It like so all over the board because we're still also, by the way, just quickly doing latitude, which is at the end of September and is still going live and will be over a thousand, close to three, maybe even 5,000 people. We're still looking at that many. So, and that's a completely live show with Ozuma and, excuse me, Ozuna and uh, music happening everywhere. And so that's happening. We talked to our friends and who do you want to report about first? Well, what I, it, it was kind of interesting because we have, we have people across the state. So this isn't the, we weren't just talking to people that are local to us. So I would say, let's start in our backyard with, um, with Cheryl. Okay. Right. Just, um, and it's interesting because she's kind of being here local and being that I haven't seen people afraid. I mean, we're, we're busy. I, I know I'm, I'm real busy. Right. Yeah. So Cheryl Kinsler of RSVP events, and um, she's a little concerned, right. About the gatherings, but uh, you know, she's um, I'm, I'm going through some of my notes yeah, here. She's uh, super busy. Yeah. She's and, super busy. Uh, um, you know, she said that the last time this happened, she had one or two mm -hmm. events that canceled, but the rest were rescheduled. And I don't, I don't, from what, well, she has a, a pretty positive out view, uh, yeah. uh, outlook, excuse me, of what's happening. And I think it's just basically saying it's a roller coaster and it is. And even if it's not going to happen live now, it will, mm -hmm. which is a great way to look at it. 
That um, is a really good way. I mean, she's, she's, I thought even for the little bit of skepticism in, in when she started her response to me, but she's still, it's a, with a very positive outlook. So that made me feel mm. good. And it seems that Tracy, who's in Des Moines, is uh, doing some weddings, mm -hmm. which is not something that she normally does. And that speaks to the fact that there are uh, social events happening everywhere. There, I, people are done with putting off their social events. Yeah. They're smaller, there's less risk. You can, to some degree, manage the vaccination issue. Uh, and so those will continue to happen. And there you have a professional who normally does big corporate events, big foundation events, uh, doing a wedding. And not that there's anything wrong with that and not that there's anything wrong with weddings, but it's just an interesting, <laughs> right? It's just an interesting perspective on what people are doing in the industry. She's also got her own class reunion house. Yeah. That'll, that'll be fun for that her. That will be on. fun. That will be fun. And, you know, I've got a couple of weddings coming up and they are going to be small and I'm, I, it, I'm excited about it. I love love. Oh my goodness. Who doesn't love love? Even if I don't have it right now, I love love. Oh, oh come on. You're loved. You're loved. You have lots of love. Lots of it. I love. have lots of love. I have lots yeah, of love. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and we're doing a wedding next year. It's yeah. a friend. It's a friend and it's somebody that we adore, but uh, we are going to do that. Uh, we're also going to be doing, by the way, a high school grad night next year, which is not something that we've done before. And that speaks to us getting into more of the social end. Uh, Jennifer Ross, JR Global Event, uh, who is in Philadelphia, uh, is just on a treadmill faster and faster. This is a gal that deals with a lot of incentive business and works all over the world. And, um, you know, what she's dealing with now is uh, the hotels that are really trying to recoup losses in 2020 and really don't have a lot of room to negotiate anything. And I think that's going to be true across the board. The other thing that I am hearing is expect prices to rise in 2022. They're already starting. So not just hotel rates and F&B, but I'm sorry to say entertainment rates, production rates, labor rates here in California due to AB5 and the new restrictions. Uh, so things are definitely on the rise and people should be, should be ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what does Nicole have to say? Nicole is always often about Nicole, Matthew, Nicole Matthews with the Henley Company. I don't even know where she is now. Off She's traveling in some all country. over the place, yeah. I uh, love life. She just sent an email from somewhere and I should know it's like, is it Africa or uh, I don't know, maybe it's back in Dubai or I can't, I honestly can't remember. And I'm not making this up. She <laughs> is somewhere that delicious. Um, she, <laughs> I want to go, um, but she says it too. A client should expect everything to be about 30% more expensive. Uh, pricing is out of the window. Um, and you know, her advice is always get everything in writing, double check, confirm everything. Uh, they're selling ballroom space. Hotels are to clients, even when you think they're holding it mm -hmm. for you. Let's say that again, hotels are selling ballroom space to other clients. Even when you think they're holding it for you, please be careful and be vigilant. 
I talk about the fog. We're all kind of in this post-COVID, well, COVID fog, and we have to get back in our game and get back on top of it because it's a fast game mm -hmm. and we're moving at a slow pace right now. And the hotels are super unprepared to Nicole's point uh, because the influx is coming back and it's coming back hard and fast and labor has been, as we know, really hard to find. So if you think that doesn't uh, impact you, then uh, it will when you travel. And you and know, it will program. To Nicole's point, uh, you know, I've been reaching out to hotels for this wedding that you're, we're working on. And I, at one point I was getting a little annoyed. I'm like, why aren't these people getting back to me? This is business. Why aren't they getting back to me? You know, even if they said, well, we'll get back to you probably beginning of next week. And then two weeks goes by and I'm calling and calling. And then I read what she wrote and I went, okay, I can, I can slow my roll a little, even though we need the information. I can, I get it. I get it. And um, so just making sure that when I am speaking to those people to do it with just the biggest smile on my face so that, you know, not to play a game, but to just more of compassion and understanding. I get how busy you are. No, and I think I appreciate you saying that so much because we can't start throwing daggers at one another. And in the hotel business, they're as stressed as all of us mm -hmm. and they have numbers to make up and everybody is responsible for something and everything floats up the chain. So let's not let's not throw a dagger at our hotel representatives and the people who will be there to help us. Mm -hmm. And so that point, this is a reminder to all of us and even to me when we're on site and we need a table or we need chairs set up somewhere and you could easily go and get it. Yes, it's not the preferred way to do things. No, most properties would prefer that you didn't do it yourself. But in this time of COVID, we need to just act and be partners with one another and help pick up the slack. And if you feel you need to make a note of it so that you've got an inventory of the slack that you picked up, so be it. Pick it up nonetheless and do it with a smile. And when you yeah. share that list with the hotel, please be aware that they likely picked up some slack for you mm -hmm. that they didn't talk about. Yeah. So thank you for that. It's really important. And I know that sometimes I come across like a hard ass. And so it's important that people understand that this is really important. We must be partners. We must push forward as partners mm -hmm. and not start foisting blame. Make your clients aware. It's going to be difficult. The hotel is going to have holes likely there's going to be holes in service and people might not get a meal on time and somebody's room may not be clean be prepared to deal with that in however way you need to except to yell at the hotel it's it's going to be key and keep and keeping your relationships because remember the world cycles just keep cycling and there will come a time again when they won't have the time mm -hmm. and they'll be fully staffed and running at a hundred percent occupancy and won't take your calls when you want to book a meeting or have needs. So let's share the love. Let's love, love. Yep. As Alex says, yep, love, love. you get more flies with honey. We sure do. <laughs> well, 
Uh, Florida is is fine. I don't think really there's much happening there that anybody really needs to worry about. It's the it's the middle of summer. It is literally the hottest month of the year, the worst month of the year to be in Florida. And they're servicing meetings and they're not at full capacity and they're not dealing with the incentive groups yet and all of the business that they will have, but they're not turning away groups and they're not making it difficult for groups to come. And so people are going. So where it isn't going so well is probably in New York. So with our friend Jacqueline Bernstein and Empire Force events, what did you want to say about Jacqueline? Well, I just want to give real quick before we get into the meat of this, a huge shout out because it's Jacqueline's birthday tomorrow. Oh my my Lord. Tomorrow, tomorrow. And I know she's been busy and she graciously just had a conversation with me and let me know it was her birthday. I'm like, oh, we're going to give you love, girl. We give you love on our show. She so, is. Miss mm-hmm. Jacqueline Berenstain. Girl, happy birthday. That girl's got energy and talks a mile a minute and with such passion and determination. Um, I'm kind of feeling like I want to be her when I grow up. Not that I, we're not I don't play, probably I, close to the same age, but you know. I don't blame you. One of my favorite moments, I said it last week at TSE, was seeing her acceptance speech uh, receiving uh, this, I believe it was the Steve Kimball Leadership Award. Now that I'm, now that it's a week later and I can't remember it, but just her speech was so delicious. She is just a love. And, you know, every time you see her, you just want to squeeze her. And she is the heart and soul of this industry. She truly, truly is. There is nobody who puts it out on the line like Jacqueline Bernstein. Uh, And she, unfortunately, is dealing with some cancellations Mm -hmm. and is beginning to get calls uh, uh, of these cancellations. and she is basically, she does only corporate events. That's her, that's her bailiwick. That's what she focuses on. So there again, this is where, this is where there's a rub uh, in the corporate world and uh, companies that don't want the liability and are not willing to necessarily go out on a limb and say, you must do it one way or the other, or you must leave. Um, they're busy with their fall inquiries. Mm-hmm. And she but a lot of them. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But but a lot of them are are were contracted or they're already moving. Yes. Well, I don't know if it's a lot. She's starting to see a trend. Um, okay. She, the good news is she said in the beginning they would get things, um, and they would she would get a request. It would move to contract. It would happen. It was done. So you know she had a lot happening quickly, and so that was a boost. And, you know, a bit of happiness. And then the stuff, she was getting a lot of inquiries for fall. And some of those are already being, there's some push on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a flux right now. It's such a, there's such variation. Events that are going to happen, events that are not going to happen, events that will happen. It's like it is here. It's a mixed, a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. Um, The proof of Vax in New York is, is probably going to hurt her business. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. So that is something that they've done, I assume. Did you talk to you about that? About, about the mandate in New York? Yes. 
Is there a mandate in New York? I'm, I'm not aware of it. Well, right now in, in New York City, to, in go city. A res- to go into a restaurant, you have to prove that you're vaccinated. To go into a restaurant. Restaurant yeah, and there's, it's restaurant and, um, and I know. Any yeah. general pub, public area? I mean. Gym. Well, restaurant. Restaurant. Gyms. Yeah. I see. See, we're not even there in the gyms. But um, now we'll see how that affects that affects her business. You know, we'll see how that does affect her business. We don't know. Uh, I think it's going to be, again, one of those things. You give people the choice or you feel like you give them no choice and they'll take the right. choice they want. Um, you know, uh, it's the trickle down for sure. Um, the indoor events are going to be problematic for a while. The outdoor events will be a little easier to deal with. But we're in a city where you can have outdoor events almost all year round. And New York right. is not one of them. Uh, yeah, it's just, wow. And, you know, Jacqueline gave me a perspective today that quite honestly, it may be a little embarrassingly so, but admittedly so, I wasn't seeing it that way. And, you know, Jacqueline cares about everybody and their health and it's not, her perspective isn't from that, but she opened my eyes a little bit that, okay, I have to broaden my view. And I did share that with her. And, you know, I, I thanked her for sharing her view with me because I was seeing it from only a health standpoint and not that that shouldn't be priority because I do think it should, but I was able to see it from, and being in the event industry, it was able to see it from a slightly broader perspective and how that mandate is going to trickle down mm-hmm. and could really have an impact on this industry. Yeah. Yeah, it will. And, you know, again, I, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that we're in the position we're in in this state, but maybe it is because, you know, we're not having those restrictions just yet. Um, and I agree, you know, I just wish it was something that everybody felt they could do without question. Uh, you know, the people who make it a political issue, you know, those are people that are very hard for me to deal with, but Mm. the people who have personal reasons, they're concerned, they're scared. I guess I'm a little more empathetic um, there. I know people who have small children and they're concerned for those reasons. I'm more empathetic with them. Um, But, you know, you're right. This is not something that people can control in their own families or you know, not commute to someone else. So it's not just a personal decision. It's a public decision in many, many ways. Um, I hope that she continues to do well. And she did bring something else up that I think is worth discussing. And this is not a new discussion. It just goes away and comes back Mm -hmm. in times of trouble like this. And that's the idea of paying for the work that's done. Uh, many, many clients now, and I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday who in, they're, in order to sign a contract now, there must be a COVID clause with an out. And so, uh, you know, we have to make it as amenable as possible to go into a contract. So it's a two-sided equation here. I think there's two sides of the coin. One is people need to be paid for their time. And the other is People want to pay for what's fair. And so the idea of charging for 
proposals or ideas or work that's been done on something that now is being canceled is legitimate. Mm -hmm. But then we as a professional organization need to make sure that our costs and what we push forward is legitimate as well. And so it's like I say, a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. I think that first of all, you need a clause in a contract that states in your contract that states what terms will what what terms you'll follow when COVID or when something like this or when a force majeure comes into play. And we've talked about the fact that you need a specific uh, clause for COVID because it doesn't fit into the traditional definition of a force majeure. So, but it is up to you to determine what that is. And I encourage you to be fair. In ours, we ask for the time that we spend on the project. And that's not a lot of inflated time. That's the time that we spent planning and working on the project. And when you push a bill forward that's reflective of fairness and, and uh, what seems reasonable, then the argument is easier to mm -hmm. make. And I think it should be in contracts, number one. And I think that's the least that people should be asking for is the, is the reimbursement of their time, their efforts, their expenses to propose, to produce whatever it is that you're asking for, even if it's a document of 10 pages with you know various ideas on it. That takes time. And yeah. it's it's not it's it's not so much an argument of you've got these resources, you can do this easily. It's not about that anymore. This is an industry that's been on the brink of disaster for now almost a year and a half, right? And uh, it's not getting any easier for these people and we can't expect them to put in time without paying them. And one of Jacqueline the brought up a good point about this too. It's that if you do all this time, you have this work, this effort for something that looks like it's going to a contract and then it gets either canceled, postponed, let's say it gets postponed. Her, her One of her recent reasonings is that isn't lost money. You're not going to be billed for that money twice unless work has to be duplicated because either, you know, entertainment no longer exists or whatnot. Right. That gets applied or, or deducted from what normally would have been in the contract. So it, right. it is still money well spent. Well, say that again. Well, so let's say I'm working on this huge event. I put in three months of work. It looks like it's going to go a contract and then it, they say we got to postpone we're going to postpone oh you're making a case for paying for that work right there and then yeah and then yeah well there's no reason why that couldn't happen right so it's really, right yeah it's it's you're not going to get charged again when it actually goes to contract all this work has already been done that you've paid for the progress payment right or however you want to term it and then it goes to contract is that am I being clear on that? Yes, you're being okay, absolutely clear. It's sort of okay. like a, a payment mm -hmm. that sort of holds the service mm -hmm. until the event actually happens. And it's that instead of waiting for the event to actually happen to uh, to pay, make any payment. And the difference is you're basically holding the client to the plans that have been uh, developed for right. them. And 
you know, rather than just letting them off the hook and saying, okay, whatever you decide next year is fine. We'll just start all again. Now, Jacqueline is uh, Empire Force Events is a very well-known, a reputable DMC. So they're a company that has very strong relationships with their clients, right? And so it does become a bit harder because when you get into those relationships, there's sort of a give and take and an expectation, right? And it's harder to turn those people around and say, hey, we have to do things a different way now because it's been way too too hard on us. Mm -hmm. And I think she makes the point of she's working with with an internal planner, perhaps, uh, and that person is on the clock, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak, is being paid for their time. They're employed and they're reaching out and asking for ideas and then presenting them to a company that's still in business, mm-hmm. that's still charging for their widgets or their services and is still in the black. And so her point is valid mm-hmm. that this the service she's providing needs to be paid for even if the project doesn't occur. The work has been done. A lot of that work is done in advance and it's the planning and what happens in the course of any kind of event is the planning just gets repeated over and over. It's like a cycle mm-hmm. until what works stays in and what what doesn't work ultimately falls out. You know, It's not clear and cut black and white. Uh, and so, and it takes an awful lot of time. And, and when you're in the business of developing ideas for clients, especially in the DMC world, when they're coming to your city and you can't give them one idea, you have to give them four or five. And each of those has to be really, really expressed. You got to sell it. This is what that could look like and feel like. And this is what you'll eat. You know, when you go to that much detail and work, it's worth something. It is worth something. And so I, I, I send out, we send out positive vibes to Jacqueline and anybody who's in the DMC world and anyone who's dealing uh, with clients who are not understanding the value of their work. It's important. And I think maybe one of those other conversations is to start having the discussion up front mm-hmm with your good clients and working those details out. And if you've really got good relationships with people, then you're able to say, look, we can do this, this, and this, will this work for you? Can we massage this somehow? And how can we get money from you here, here, and here? You know, I think those discussions are worth having because at the end of the day, (laughs) there are fewer of us out there as well. So you are more valuable than you were two years ago. And that's something that you must remember. This is true. You know, I hope that this isn't just a a one-off and that this idea is taking hold and being understood because Jacqueline actually had a client that said that she's been doing a lot of work for, she said, even if this gets canceled, I will pay you. I want to pay you. You should Good. be paid for the work you've done. Good. Good. We have clients like that too. And uh, those are the clients that you want to stay with and you want to keep close and you want to make happy. Yep. Uh, and the people that we asked to contribute to today all work 
in that spirit, all of them. So thank you, Cheryl Kinsler from RSVP Events and Tracy Fuller from Innovative Events out of Des Moines and Jennifer Ross, JR Global Events out of Philadelphia. Uh, Nicole Matthews, the Henley Company right here in San Diego, but she goes everywhere. So does everybody else on this list, by the way. <laughs> and Jacqueline Bernstein, happy birthday to Jacqueline uh, from Empire Force Events out of the great city of New York. And we wish all of you the best. We're going to push through this together. We're going to make it through and we will survive this. It's the fight's not over but we're much stronger than we were a year ago. Let's keep that in mind. So thank you for joining us. This was our mid-year report, uh, number 41. Uh, if you enjoyed this, please uh, tell your friends, share us, join the conversation. Find us Woo-hoo. online at Bolada. Yeah, right. Bolada.com. Yes. Look for the podcast tab. Type in a question. Type in a comment. Tell us we're crazy wrong. Tell us you love us. Just talk to us. We feel the lonely. Please. And if you're please. Right, please. Please. And I if you're listening to us, she does. She needs a friend bad. Uh, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, one, two, three, four, five is what we're looking for. The big five oh five stars. Uh, that's it from us. Uh, until next time. Make your events great and stay engaging. Yes. And say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.